Uh, I knew I was going to have Pam come up here, and, and it was so interesting. Just this last week, I had somebody else pop over to my house that I haven't seen in, in a long time, Alicia Unruh. Do you guys remember? How many of you remember Alicia and Jason Unruh? Uh, they were part of our uh, K2 community for quite a while. Super, super great story. Both of them really came to faith he, uh, through uh, K2 at the church here. And, uh, but I, I know this, when I knew them, Jason was kind of leading the charge. In fact, he was on staff with us for a while, working in our, with our homeless ministry. And uh, Alicia was kind of coming along, but man, she walked into our house and we were talking. That woman is on fire. She's kicking it. They moved to Twilla, so they're involved in a church out there. And she's actually leading a women's retreat that's coming up. And um, so she was telling us all about that and just, you know, the tension of actually leading it and, and then the struggle, some of the stuff she was teaching. And I, I tried to remember, I asked Susie, and I couldn't remember exactly what it was. But at some point, she just said, man, this is just, oh, I don't really want to do this. But I'm a disciple of Jesus, so I do whatever he tells me to do. And then in the next few minutes, she probably said that five times. And I, pro- you know, I don't think I said that right because I said it kind of begrudgingly there. What she was saying, though, was there's things I don't really want to do. She goes, but I'm a disciple of Jesus. She goes, so I do what he tells me to do. She goes, am I a disciple of Jesus or not? If I am, I do what he tells me to do. And she just kept saying that. And I, was, I just sat there. I was just beaming. I'm like, this is so cool. Because she's doing it, and her husband, they're just kicking it, just like you guys. It's such a beautiful thing. And you guys, so that's why here at, at K2, we say our mission statement, in fact, we, we, we changed it. We just said we want to be a church that makes disciples. And a disciple is somebody who doesn't learn things about Jesus. They're, they're people who, who hear Jesus, and then they do what he tells them to do. In fact, Jesus said that. He goes, if you hold to my teachings, he goes, then you're actually my disciple. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? He goes, the only difference between my disciple and other people is some people hear my word and they don't put it into practice. And he said, that's the guy who builds his house, and it's like on sand, right? And it, everything can just fall apart. But the person who builds their house and they build it on a rock is the person who hears my words and puts them into practice. That's it, you guys. And I, I just want to tell you, like, you know, I'm 56 now. I received Jesus when I was 11. What is that? Like, that's a long time, 40, 45 years. Of, and, but here's the point. Why am I even up here? You know why? Because... I actually heard Jesus, and then I did what he asked me to do. And you know what happens when you do that? You experience the living God, the one that we just worshiped, the one who's risen again, the one who has power and glory, and he wants to meet you and change your life. So here we are. We want to see God's kingdom, which basically just means God's way come to earth. And the way that does is just through people like you, just normal people who say, here I am, Jesus, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And again, I just want to say, if you're visiting with us, welcome to the adventure with God. Welcome. I hope you experience him today. We've been doing a series called Be Reasonable, and it comes from this verse in Romans 12.1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of all the, the incredible things that God has done for us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. A living sacrifice means what? It means you're dead to yourself. Like I'm, I'm living, right, but I'm a sacrifice. I'm sacrificing myself. I'm a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Glenn and Pam, that's you. You guys do this. You just, you are. You're living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's what, that's what Alicia's doing. And then it says, this is your reasonable service. 
It's the only logical and reasonable thing to do is when you see all that God does for you, all that he wants to do for you, all the love and mercy and grace that he has for you, we respond with that. So in Romans chapter 12, we go on, and what we've been doing is saying, well, what's it look like? What's it actually look like to be a living sacrifice? How do I actually practically live that out? And Paul tells us, starting with verse 9, so it's up here on the screen, and this has been our series. We're, this is the last one, by the way. We're, we're ending tonight. It says, love must be sincere, Hate what is evil. Just hate stuff that's evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another in love. Man, that means absolute commitment. No, you can depend on me. I'll be there. I'm always there. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, you guys, serving the Lord. Right? This is what you do, man. In light of what Jesus has done, you serve him. He served you with his life. And keep a fire. Remember, it was all about have a fire in your belly to do that. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Man, last week, did Derek Murphy not knock it out of the park last week? Wow, he, he was a great message. I hated every minute of it. Seriously, man, I don't know how you could hear that message and not just go... Wow, what am I doing? Am I sharing with the Lord's people who are in need? Wow. It was amazing. I actually have a, I do a prayer walk most mornings, and I've, I've run into the same homeless couple every, every day uh, on my prayer walk. Um, there's Jeff and Carol, just a sweet couple I'm getting to know now. And uh, it was so fun because they needed coats. And because of Derek's message, it's like, I, they have two coats now today, right? Like, this is what we do. Why? Well, I'm a disciple, and... Jesus says you're supposed to share with those who are in need, so I do what he says. <laughs> so you do it. So today, what a fun message, man. I'm so, I'm so excited about today's message for you and me. It says we're to be eager to practice hospitality. Isn't that interesting? Eager to practice hospitality as a living sacrifice unto God. Well, what is hospitality? The definition, the Greek word is two Greek words, and the Greek words are love, strangers. <laughs> That's what hospitality is. You love strangers, or that word can be guests. You love guests. And so you're opening your home. What hospitality is, is you're opening your home, and you're sharing your resources to bless people you don't know. Strangers and guests into your home. And it's not your friends, okay? This is throwing parties for your friends is fine. I do it. I love throwing parties for my friends. But that's not the biblical definition of hospitality, okay? You can be totally hospitable to your friends, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. What we're going to talk about tonight is I'm going to, Jesus is saying, if you're my disciple, then you do what I say, and here's what I want you to do. Love strangers. Love guests. Love the new person. Love the one who's not actually a part of your family, workplace, home, church. Okay? Now, let me just ask you, how many of you have, how many of you have ever been the stranger? How many of you have ever been the new person? <laughs> every, every one of us has. You know, I, I dropped off Ashlyn at Colorado State University, and she didn't know one person, right? She was the stranger, man. And I've been praying for months that God would help her when she gets there, that people would actually see her. Because when you're the stranger, when you're the new person, man, you don't, you don't even know. Um, if anybody's going to see you, 
You don't know if they'll engage you. You don't know if they'll be kind to you. It feels really awkward when you're the stranger. And let me just ask you a question. What do you do on the flip side when you see a stranger in your environment? What's your usual instant reaction to someone who's new or strange? Isn't it interesting? Can we we just be honest? Most of the time, our natural inclination is to avoid them. I see it all the time. Even if it's our space, even if it's the place where I'm comfortable and I'm known, if someone walks in and we don't know them and they're the new person, it's really hard to reach out to them. I I only have one story, so sorry for you who've been with me for 17 years, but I'm going to share my story. Um, In 1997, I went out to California from living in Michigan, went out to California for my uh, master's degree. And uh, so I decided, wow, I don't actually have to go to church on Sunday, kind of like now. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, So what I decided to do is I went to a different church for six months every week and visited. Wow. Wow. Church really is sometimes the most unfriendly place on the planet. It was unbelievable to me. I'm kind of a social person. And nobody gave a rip that I was ever there. And it could be a large church. It could be a small church. Week after week after week, ignored, ignored, ignored. And I would hang out in the lobby and just wait and watch everybody talk to each other. Man, it it can really stink to be the new person and to be a stranger. In fact, one, one church I actually started getting involved in, and I had one guy who was my friend, and we went out to lunch afterwards one time. This was the weirdest thing to me. I'm sitting at the table with him. We, well, there was one other person when we got there. And when we got there, they engaged in the conversation, and the person never acknowledged me. So I just went, hey, I'm Dave. You know, who are you? And we got to know him. I'm not kidding. Uh, probably at least, at least 10 people came and sat down at that table at different times. Not one of them initiated a hello with me. I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, you know, like, what? I mean, I had to initiate every time. I can tell you, that's a church I want to go to, right? And then I go to Saddle, and near the end, I go to Saddleback Community Church. You guys ever heard of Saddleback? Right, you know why? Because it's freaking huge. Thousands of people are at this church. I get done with the service, and I'm walking out. It's Southern California, so all their stuff is outside. And I'm walking by, and I'm just kind of looking at all their tables and everything. And all of a sudden, there's one that's my age. I was 30 at the time, and they had a, a group for that age. And these people, man, they leapt out from the table. Hey, how you doing? And they reached out to me, and they got to know me. They found out what I was doing. And the Super Bowl happened to be that day. And they're like, man, you got to come to our house and have a party. We'd love to have you. And I'm going to be honest with you. I like to hang out with people, but I, don't, I didn't really want to go to somebody else's house for a Super Bowl party. Um, but I did. You know why? It was hospitality, man. They saw me, and they actually genuinely wanted me. Man, I tell you, this is a big deal, you guys. And why is it a big deal to God? This is what's strange, because most of us, I would be, it was so fun to study this, because I don't think I've sat there and go, man, we need to be hospitable. We think about we need to feed the poor and we need to take care of the sick and we need, we need to be hospitable. Why is it a big deal to God? In the NIV version that we use most of the time, it says practice hospitality. Can I, I, I love the NIV. I use it. Horrible, horrible translation. 
Every other English Bible says pursue hospitality. The word, the Greek word for pursue that the NIV used as practice, the most common usage of that word in the Greek New Testament is for persecution. So when they, when they wanted to say, what word, when somebody's persecuting somebody, this was the word they used. You know why? Because it means you're going after someone with vigorous effort. <laughs> so when you're persecuting someone, you're coming after them in a negative way. But they use that word because that's how intense we're actually supposed to be pursuing guests and strangers. The second most common usage after persecution is to pursue with everything you've got. Philippians 3, when it says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That press on is the word for pursue. Hebrews 12, 14, Romans 14, 19. Make every effort to live at peace, to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Make every effort. That's the word, you guys, that the scripture tells us that we are supposed to be doing for people you don't know. For every person who walks through this door that's new. Anybody who's not a part of what you're a part of, man, we're supposed to be going after them. And so today... Are you a disciple? I'm a disciple of Jesus. So I do whatever he tells me to do. So we're going to go after and we're going to pursue strangers and guests with vigorous effort and give it all that we've got. Now, why is this a big deal to God? And here's, what I, here's, here's the beautiful thing about this, you guys. Because hospitality, when you are actually hospitable, you give people a taste of the mercy of God. You actually give people a taste. They get a chance to taste and see what God is like. Let me show you this. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, Old Testament, verse 17, it says, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He's the great God, the mighty and awesome God. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> like, whoa! And he shows what? Let's all say it. He shows what? No partiality. See, us humans, man, we're, this is our biggest problem. This is sin, how sin exudes itself, is we judge everybody. We put people in different camps, and we think people are higher or lower and all this kind of stuff. Strangers, part of us, God's like, I have no partiality. And look at how he shows this. He can't be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice, and he shows love to the foreigner to the stranger, to the one who's not a part of his chosen people. Yes, he chose Israel, but Israel blew it. They were supposed to show the rest of the world how gracious and merciful God was. Instead, they were like, no, it's just us. God's like, no, uh-uh. I show love to the foreigner living among you, and I give them food and clothing. There it is. He's hospitable. So you too must show love to foreigners and strangers and guests. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. He goes, do you guys remember? Man, you were in Egypt and it was horrible. Look how they treated you. You knew what it was like to be a stranger in the land. They totally took advantage of you. Don't do that. I gave you that taste so you'd be completely different. 
Now let's jump to, jump to the New Testament with Jesus. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is given a parable and it's a story about the feast. Somebody asked him, well, won't this be great at the feast in the kingdom of God, the person said. And, and uh, that just means at the end times when it's all settled, we can't wait for that day. And then Jesus said, well, let me tell you a story about that. It's going to be like a man who prepared a great banquet and he invited many guests. There he is. There's the heart of God. What's Jesus saying? The end times are going to be God's hospitable. And he can't wait to prepare a great banquet and feed us and serve us. In fact, in another place, Jesus says, and I'll be on my knees actually serving you when you show up. But nobody would come. So nobody comes to the invitation. So then it says, in verse 21, it says, the servant came back and reported this to the master that nobody would come. And then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant I love God. This is how hospitable our God is. Then go out quickly into the streets and into the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Bring in the people that nobody else wants and bring them to my house. We're having a party. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. There's still more room. And then the master told the servant, okay, then keep going. And go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. You guys, this is the heart of God. He wants every person who is far away from him to come and eventually spend eternity feasting. Come on. Anybody else digging that? Anybody else like food? Come on, wake up. It's going to be good. Now, let's go after Jesus died. And after he rose again, the one who's alive today, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Now he's going to talk to the church. He's going to talk to us. He says, you guys, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are God's special possession. What's he saying? You're in, man. You belong you're part of my family. You're in the house. You're feasting already with me. And why? So that we might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look at this. Once you were not a people. Once you were a stranger to God. Remember that? Once you were a foreigner. Once you were outside, but now you're the people of God who's hospitable in his very nature. Look at it and with our series. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And in view of mercy, what do we do? We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And one of the ways we do is like, all right, who's the new person I know Rachel apologizes for being so loving to new people. I told her, stop apologizing. You're actually being what Jesus told us to do. Ephesians 2.19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his house. Come on in, man. Go after the lost people. Go after the new person. Go after the guest. Go after the stranger. Go after the people who don't know God because you're in. That's what we do in view of God's mercy. We get a chance to show people his mercy. 
Now, here's a key. Think about this. If you do this, okay, if you actually meet someone tonight and you've never met them before, you have a good conversation out in the lobby or the parking lot, and you go, hey, man, it's kind of late. I don't know if you guys are got, got something to eat. You want to come over to my house? And, but let's say you invite them over sometime later this week, like on Tuesday. Let me ask you a question. What did that stranger do to deserve your interest, to deserve your time, to deserve the effort that you're going to put forth in cleaning your house and cooking the meal? What did they do to deserve your finances that you're going to spend for that meal or your blessing? What, what did they do? Somebody say it. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. That is the picture of our God. God's mercy means you couldn't do a thing and he pursued you as the stranger and he gave you grace and mercy and welcomed you into his home. See, guys, hospitality is a chance, a very practical, fun chance to give people a taste of the mercy of God. This is the gospel that God did not say. You know, I just see, it's like, I've never met somebody and says, hey, can I please come over to your house and have dinner? It's like, you know, no. <laughs> and you guys, can I just say, if you're here tonight and you don't know, you're, you're pursuing God, you've probably heard about Christianity and it probably wasn't very good, um, how cool that you showed up tonight or are watching online that you would hear that the God that Jesus Christ revealed to us is one who comes and does something for you when you do nothing for him. He's just merciful and gracious and good. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this. Paul's kind of given his story. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I, this is what I pray for, for every person I know that I want eventually to come into relationship with God. This is the verse I pray for. You know why I pray this? Because it just shows that they're never gonna figure God out. They're never going to get good enough that eventually the God will go, all right, you've done enough. No. God actually shines his light into our hearts. To shine the light of the glory of God in what? In the face of Jesus. Again, I just want to tell you, Jesus Christ, why do we worship him at the beginning? Why is it his name? Because Jesus Christ is the one who revealed to us the love of God and the mercy of God would send his son to die in our place so that we will never be separated from God, who would forgive us of all of our sins. That's the mercy of God. And you know what? And when, as dis listen, oh, this is so good. When we, as disciples, do what he says, you know what happens? Then the light, he said, you're the light of the world. I'm the light of the world, but when you do what I say, my kingdom comes and the light comes and you get it to be a chance to help me shine my light into their heart 
so they can actually see what I'm like. Isn't that cool? You ready to invite someone over to your house? All right, we're getting there. Hospitality. You give people a taste of the mercy of God. Let me give you one last really key motivation, and then I'm going to give you some practical application. In Matthew 25, again, if you've if you're been a Christian for a while, you know this chapter. It's pretty popular. But it, it's when Jesus says, he goes, hey, when I come back with all my angels, he goes, and I'm going to set all the nations in front of me, and he goes, and then I'm going to separate all the nations, and I'm going to put the sheep on one side, and I'll put the goats on the other side. And then he describes what the, sheep, he, he, what the sheep did and why they actually get to be sheep and receive his blessing. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I, I know this passage really well. Many of you probably do, too. Um, but if I was going to list everything that the sheep did, because then Jesus says, because when you did that, he goes, you actually did it to me, right? This is the passage. And when you didn't do this, you didn't do it to me. So if I was going to list all those things, I would have listed these, right? Because he, he does. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you came to visit me. I think I might have got all of those. You know, I'm gonna be, you know which one I would not have said? Do you know the other one that's in there? I was a stranger. And you invited me in. Isn't that amazing? He goes, I was a stranger, and you actually said hi to me. And you saw me, and you took interest in me, and then you actually invited me in. And he goes, and you goats on the other side? He goes, he goes yeah, yeah, when I was sick, you didn't help me, and when I was naked, you didn't clothe me, and when I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. He goes, and when I was a stranger, you totally blew me off. That was me. Isn't that crazy? Man, and I want to say, I look at that list and I think, man, those other things are so compassionate, right? If we think about, I'm going to be compassionate. Well, that's feeding the hungry and giving the thirsty and giving people clothes and visiting. That, that's very compassionate. Come on, man. This is what hit me with this. Do you know how compassionate it is? Because when I've been on the other side and so have you and you've been the stranger and nobody gives a rip who you are, it hurts. And it is compassion to look at a person who's on the outside and say, you matter to God. Come over to my house and let's barbecue. Isn't that cool? That's the holiest thing we can do. Bring it on, man. I'm in. Can we watch football while we do that? Is that all right? Okay. I'm a disciple. And so I do whatever he tells me to do. So you give people a taste of the mercy of God. So here's our application. We've heard his word, and we have a choice, right? We can either put it into practice and be a disciple of Jesus, know the truth, the truth will set you free. Isn't that cool? Like, you're actually going to benefit, apparently, if you do this, too, because you'll be like Jesus. You'll be bringing his way. Or you can hear what his word said to you today and not put it into practice. And your life can be built on sand. It's, it's really that simple. So I just want to say the first thing that we've got to do is we have to pray, you guys. We really do. Because, as I said, and we know this, it's not human nature. I mean, some people are super extroverted, and they just love to meet everybody who's new. 
But it's even most extroverted people still don't really reach out to the stranger. So let's pray. That's the first thing we gotta do. And we have to ask God, God, give me your heart for the new person. Give me your heart. Help me to feel towards them like you felt towards every lost person on this planet. And give me your love and give me your eyes to see them, okay? It's kind of fun. Our staff right now, we receive a text at about 2 o'clock every afternoon. Um, Stacy Tall is the person who's replacing Pam. She's doing a great job. And, and uh, she texts us at 2 o'clock and she says, Hey, guys, remember to pray and ask God who's the one person that you want me to love through today. Can I encourage you guys to do the same thing? All of you guys who are part of our family. Wouldn't it be cool just to pray and say, hey, God, just, you know, look how many of us are in here who are part of this family. Who's the one person, God, you want me to bless today? Ask him to do that. Ask his spirit to empower you. And then, what do you do? You initiate. You actually take the step and initiate. And then you invite him, and then you bless him with hospitality. I was talking with our team on Wednesday um, about this, and they said, you know, one of the things I think that can hinder people sometimes from hospitality is we feel like, well, you know, I just don't really, and this could be very true. It's like, my, my house is too small, or it's kind of messy. <laughs> you know, I don't, maybe I don't have the resources. Man, can I tell you one of the coolest things about my house? Yeah, we live in Sugar House, and all my, in, in, the, you know, in, in the, the, the way the elementary school was zoned is our kids went to school with everybody who lived north of us. And if you've ever gone to northern Sugar House, those are some nice homes, baby. <laughs> And my kids, all their friends, man, had way better homes than we have. And my kids love to have people over to our home. It doesn't matter. I just want to say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay? Yeah, clean it up. That'd probably be good. You know. And you know what else? You don't have to, you don't have, to have a feast. If you don't have resources right now, say, hey, man, you just want to come over? We'll, whatever. We'll just grab something to drink at my house. You can make it very simple. Have some watermelon. That was, that was Rachel's idea. You know, let's just, it, it doesn't have to be a big deal. You, you, don't, you don't actually have to be Martha Stewart, okay? So chill. All right. Just be Jesus. Because that dude, apparently, if you're watching The Chosen, he didn't have much of nothing. All right? All right. So now, three levels. Three levels for you. You figure out which one you are. Number one. Show hospitality to a friend. Now, I know from the biblical definition, this is not, you're not supposed to do this with your friends. This, or you can still have friends over, but, but here's what I know. 17 years here, shocking to me how lonely people are. How lonely the people at K2 are. Now, I have had seasons where I've had, I remember one time there were a bunch of guys that, over and over again, man, my wife is just so lonely. They're just, they're all alone. And I just sat there and I'm like, what in the world? Why are we so lonely? And here's what I know. Very few of us actually even initiate with our friends. Can I just ask you, you just think about it. When was the last time you actually initiated and invited even someone you know well over to your home? And if it's been a while, then just start there, okay? Let's just start there. Practice that. Take that baby step and invite someone over. That's your first one. Number two, show hospitality to someone who's a part of K2. 
Show hospitality to someone in the church. Look at this, 1 Peter 4, 8, 9. Above all, love each other deeply, deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Oh, man. Got to have people over my house. Come on, man. Find somebody here you don't know. Get to know them and invite them over to your house. Like we're supposed to do, love each other deeply. This should be the sign, man. We start talking about the unbelievable community that exists around Alcoholics Anonymous. AA is an unbelievable thing. Family members that I've gone to their AA meeting with them, I've just sat there and go, oh man, forget church. I want to be part of that. These people love each other, man. They're committed every time. They never miss. They're totally bound with each other. They're helping each other afterwards. And we were like, oh my gosh, what would that be like if K2, if we did that with each other. If when we came together and we gathered, we were like, man, I can't wait to get to church to see who it is that I'm going to show some hospitality to. This is how we love each other, all right? Hey, and take advantage of Saturday nights, by the way. This is one of the beautiful things about meeting on Saturday night. It's going to be dinner time. Let's do it. Let's get out, invite some people over. And then the last one. Yeah, show hospitality to a stranger. Hebrews 13, keep on loving each other. Hey, do you guys notice this is all about love? In our passage, Romans 12, how'd it start? Love must be sincere. Love each other deeply. First Peter, love each other. Hebrews 13, love each other. As brothers and sisters, and don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some have done this and have entertained angels without realizing it. And apparently, you've also done it to Jesus or not. So how does this work? Very practically. It doesn't mean you go to the mall and go, wow, like everybody's a stranger. Um, It means on Monday when you go to work and you're a part of the workforce there and there's some new employee that shows up. New guy, welcome him in, get him a coffee, connect with him. Or your new neighbor, our neighbors we love so much, man, they're moving. But we're going to have new neighbors. This is our street, Downington Avenue, man, it's my street. You're new, we're going after you. And we're just going to love you. And we're just going to bless you. And then, come on, man. If there's ever a person who walks through these doors and doesn't feel ridiculously loved when almost all of us are filled with the Spirit of God, let's love every guest that Jesus brings to K2. Hospitality. You give people a taste of the mercy of God. And I want to ask you, followers of Jesus, baptized with the Holy Spirit of God, Will you do that this week? I'm asking you to do it this week. Pray and ask God, who is it that you want me to be like you too so I can show them the mercy of God and invite them into my home when they didn't do anything to deserve it and I'm just gonna bless them. So we're gonna close with communion, one worship song in communion. And... Uh, And this is the perfect thing to do. Because why are we supposed to be hospitable in view of 
God's mercy in view of what Jesus Christ did for us. So that's why Jesus said, you guys got to, and by the way, if you don't have this, if you want to take communion right now and you don't have one of these, we just raise your hand and, and we have some people who will, who will give you one of these to, to be able to take communion with us. But you guys, what's the power? Like if it's like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. It's like, okay, then just tell Jesus. It's like, man, I, I just don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and then remember what he's done for you. So the very first thing, and I know these things are kind of funky, but you, if you haven't done them before, you take off the top little cellophane layer, and there's the bread. And by the way, I know these are, I think, you know, like styrofoam. It's okay. Um, but the cool thing about this, though, that I do like is it's unleavened, which means there's no yeast in it. And yeast was always the symbol of sin, right? So when they, had, when they did Passover, they had unleavened bread. It didn't have any yeast in it because it was a sign that there's no sin in it. Jesus had no sin in him, none. And then out of that beautiful nature of Jesus, he goes, so I want you to remember this, you guys. This is what love is like. This is, what about, this is how you know what love is. I laid down my life for you. I gave my life for you. And the Bible tells us it's like, and in his body while he was on the cross, he actually absorbed, right, all of your sin. And you didn't do anything, man. You're like, oh, well, yeah, you did. You sinned. <laughs> You're rebellious and didn't do what God wanted you to do. And he's like, man, I love you. I want you. I want you. So then he said, so please remember me, body. I have, I have taken all your sin inside of me. I've laid down my life for you. I love you. But here's the other thing that's true about this body. It resurrected from the dead. And he is seated at the right hand of God right now so that he can dwell inside of you. The power to be hospitable is the body and the life of Jesus Christ. You guys understand that? It's not you, but it is him. So take and eat and say, thank you for your mercy. Now, Jesus, live in me. As I take this in me, live in me so I can show somebody mercy. Let's take and eat and remember him. And then he said, and this is my blood that's shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. Hey, can I ask, this is such good news, right? Because if, if you sat there and you're like, oh boy, I definitely ignore the new person. <laughs> and if that's Jesus, if I have totally never invited him in, the this, this stranger, then what you can do today is you can say, hey, Jesus, I just totally confess to you. I, I have not shown your mercy to people who are outside my circle. And I just confess that to you. And the cool thing is, is he says, I, then I forgive you. I totally forgive you, but here's the coolest thing. The blood doesn't just forgive you. It cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So again, the ability to be hospitable. It's because Jesus, when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from that way of living. He's the one who's gonna empower you to invite someone over to your home. So let's thank him for forgiving us and let's thank him for cleansing us. And now would you just stand as we sing our closing song? And then I just want to let you know, after this closing song, I do have two super important announcements that I want to share with you that are really important. But let's just stand now and let's worship this good, good, good God who loves us 
and let's surrender our lives to follow him. Jesus, we follow you. We worship you. We're your disciples. We'll do whatever you say. We'll do whatever you say. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name.